Well, guys, thank you so much for being here this morning. Man, I hope this morning encourages you in your relationship with God through Jesus. We're going to be in this series investigating Jesus for the next few weeks. And the reason why we want to go through this is because I've had some recent conversations with people that I care deeply for. Moms and dads who've seen their, their son or daughter go off to college. They get some pushback from their college professor. And the next thing we know, they are walking away from faith. I've known adults, once their kids have come along, they try to do the whole church thing and they sort of like wither away because there's some things that have happened in their life that just pushes against their version of faith and they walk away from church. They walk away from community. They walk away from Jesus. They walk away from faith. And my hope over the next few weeks is that we understand what our faith is actually anchored in. And then what is not? I hope this is not a hobby for you. I hope this is life for you. So over the next few weeks, there's two questions really kick us off for the next few weeks. There's two questions I want us to ask. Number one, when it comes to knowing if there is a God, and maybe you've asked this, what God is like or what even your purpose is on earth right now, where do we find those answers? And that's a, that's a good question. It's a great question to ask. And maybe for you, you try to look in religious literature. Maybe for you, it's the Bible. And then it kind of leads to this. It's like, can we actually trust the Bible? I mean, it was written by dozens of men over hundreds of years who never met. Like, can we really trust it? Like, it was written in a time without modern science, where everyone believed in some sort of God, some sort of deity, some sort of higher power. So weren't they just guessing? Weren't they just making stuff up? And then another question, and I think this is a great question to ask, is if the Bible provides an explanation to us about God and explains our purpose, then why are people doubting? Why are people dismissing? Why are people deconverting? Why are people deconstructing faith? Like what if Christians, and this might bring a little tension, this, this actually probably will cause some tension. What if Christians, what if we as Christians are not expected to believe in the Bible? But what if we are to believe in a person doing the impossible? The foundation of our Christian faith is anchored in something far more substantial, more sustainable, and honestly something we can investigate. In fact, this is something we can investigate, and it's something we should investigate. Like, I don't want you to leave this series or leave the day and when someone asks you about your faith or what you did today, it's like, ah, you know, I kind of went to church. Well, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, it, it, you know, it's just kind of like a mystery. You know, it's just something I do. I want it to be so much more than that. It ought to be more than that. So the Christian faith doesn't rise and fall on the inerrancy or the accuracy of our Bible. Like we as a church believe that the Bible is inspired. We believe it's without error. We believe it's accurate. We believe that. Our faith rises and falls on the identity of a single individual, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph and Mary, who did the impossible. He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death we should have died, and he came back from the dead to provide us eternal life. 
That's who we believe in. Our faith rises and falls on that person. So if you're curious about faith, maybe you're returning to faith, or maybe you're, you find yourself losing faith. And here's a question I want us to ask. Not if there's a God. Not is the Bible true. And I think if you're maybe deconstructing or deconverting, or maybe you're trying to dismiss faith, this is the question you ought to ask. Is what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what they wrote, is it reliable? Is it, did that stuff actually happen? So the question we ought to be asking is, is what Matthew, Mark, Luke, John wrote reliable accounts of actual events? Like, can we trust what they wrote? And if we could trust what they wrote, then what they said about Jesus is true, and what they said about Jesus is true, then man, our faith is anchored in him. And so I want us to investigate this over the next few weeks leading up to Easter. So let me start with this. This may be confusing because of how the Bible was introduced to you and how it was introduced to me. I'm so thankful for my grandparents. Uh, My grandparents gave me my first Bible. Um, It was a King James and NIV interlinear Bible. It was a parallel Bible. I think that's what we called it, a parallel Bible. I was so incredibly thankful that they gave me this Bible. But I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, other than read it, it's like, where where do I start? Do I start in the very beginning or do I start in the New Testament? Like, where do I start and then if I have any questions, who do I ask? Now, I'm so thankful that they allowed me to ask them questions. I mean, I asked them so many questions as we were reading this. But maybe that was your experience. Someone just gave it to you and you said, like, I, don't, I really don't know what to do with it. Maybe this timeline will help. So in 33 AD, there was an event. There was the resurrection of Jesus and it changed everything. Immediately following it, you had the sect called the way which eventually became a movement called the church and then you have what i mean by that is the big c church like the big c church what i mean by that is you have people all over this world who believe in jesus we may not see them we may never even know their names but we know they exist it's almost invisible but yet visible We are a local expression of the Big C Church. It's visible and it's local. Okay. Once that happened, 37 years went by where you had Peter and Paul writing their experience down, writing about what the church needed to do. And then they saw Luke's report, and all of them saw each other's report as authoritative as the Old Testament. And then, fast forward 25 years, eight New Testament writings were considered authoritative. And then 20 years after that, 15 New Testament writings were considered authoritative. And then notice, notice this is really important. In 170 AD, 55 years later, the new It was called the Mantorian Canon. It had 21 of our current New Testament writings. They collected these New Testament writings. So technically that was like the first New Testament. 
almost three or almost 200 years later, the Old Testament, along with five New Testament writings, was added to the assembled writings. And then, 30 years after that, in 393 AD, we had our first Bible assembled. And you want to know why it took so long? Why it was a slow and steady process? It's because the story of Jesus is not merely a story in the Bible. Jesus is the story of the Bible. I don't want us to miss that. The story of Jesus is not merely a story in the Bible. Jesus is the story of the Bible. And Jesus is the reason we have the Bible. In fact, without Jesus' resurrection, there would be no Bible. So even if one of the Gospels is a reliable account of the life of Jesus, we ought to lean into it and learn what it says about Jesus. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to explore Luke's account of Jesus' life. And it was named for its author. Luke knew Jesus' disciples, but he was not one of Jesus' original disciples. He had conversations. He rubbed shoulders with them. And he looked them in the eye and he wrote down some of the things they were saying to him about what had happened during those three years with Jesus. Now, I'm not a writer. I don't like writing. Uh, I write messages. Uh, I write love letters to Jenny. But that's pretty much all that I write. I'm not a writer, but I know people who write. And they tell me that the first word is so important. And so that's what we're going to look at. So here's the first chapter, the first verse, the first word of Luke's gospel. Many. Many. Like, how many is many? Like, 440? Like, 400? What what does many mean? He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Like, can I ask you a question? How many people are going to draw up an account of your life? (laughs) A few months ago for Christmas, we got my grandparents' story worth. And StoryWorth is a really cool thing, and what it does is it sends my grandparents a question, and, I, and they get that every week, and that question could be like, what was your favorite toy growing up, or what was your childhood like in the 30s or the 40s? Like, I love to know that stuff, and I wanted our family to—my grandparents tell all the stories all the time, and I wanted that to be documented. But the truth of it is— they're actually writing their own story. Like, I'm not writing it. Even StoryWorth isn't really writing it. It's just compiling all the stories they're writing and they send back to them and they kind of compile them together. There's pictures, there's stories. But at the end of the day, I mean, how many people are going to write about your life? How many, how many people are going to write about my life? Yeah, not many, if, not, if any. And going back to that first century, not many people talked about different people. Like when you think of Caesar, when you think of Tiberius Caesar who ruled, there's nothing written about him. Pontius Pilate, there's nothing documented about him. Outside of some stories, there's nothing documented. No one did a life story on him. When it comes to Herod the Great, man, he did some extraordinary things, but there's just one written account of his life. Do you know how many detailed narrative accounts or biographies that we have of, of ancient peasants, stonemasons, crucified criminals, famous rabbis from the first century? 
None. Like we have quotes and we have stories, but we have no biographies. We have no storylines. And there's nothing close to what Luke presents about Jesus. So, so why did Luke bother to write a detailed account of Jesus? Someone who worked with his hands, who eventually became a rabbi, who then was crucified and executed by Rome. Why was this worth telling? Why was this a story that he wanted to get out? Why would others attempt to do the same thing? Why so many people wrote about Jesus? Because something extraordinary happened. And it wasn't just something extraordinary. Something good happened. Not just good for that time, but for all future generations. Somebody had to tell it. Somebody had to say something. Notice what, what he says. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. And what Luke is referring to, he says, I rub shoulders. I look John in the eye. Peter in the eye, Matthew in the eye. And I wrote down the things that they told me that had happened. This happened in his lifetime. Even though he was yet a follower of Jesus, this happened in Luke's lifetime. And in ancient history, it was written by men who lived generations after the events they recorded. But not this account. Luke knew the men and women who played key roles in this extraordinary story. So he continues. Just as they were handed down to us by those who were first eyewitnesses and servants of the word, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. He says, man, I took my time. I wanted to make sure that this was real news. I want to make sure that everything that I said was accurate. He says, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. We're going to figure out who this, who who the you was. But just, let's call a time out. Think about this, guys. Luke had no idea. He had no idea that his biography, his account of the things that happened in Jesus and would be, ever be added in the Bible. He had no idea. But he knew he had to tell the story of Jesus. Luke was documenting events that happened in his lifetime. He was documenting the life and the teachings of Jesus and Luke just didn't use spark notes. He, he wasn't using, hey, Matthew, hey, can I get, can I get what you're writing? And I'm going to kind of copy that. Hey, John, I know, I know, I hear that you're writing. Hey, can I get some things? Peter, I know that you're using Mark to kind of write some of the things. Can, can, I, can he share some things with me? No. Doesn't mean that he didn't interview them, but he did his own work. He did his own investigation. And Luke's account of the life of Jesus was written 300 years before the first Bible was assembled. Luke's account didn't become reliable because um, it was included in the collection of documents named the Bible. Like, I want us to know this. Like Luke's account didn't become reliable when it was included in the Bible. Luke's account of the life of Jesus was included in the Bible because Luke's account was considered reliable when it was written. So let me ask you this. How, how many of us have, safe, have, have a safe? Okay, that's cool. We have a safe. Let me ask you a question. If you put something in that safe, when it goes in the safe, does it become valuable? No. We put it in the safe because it is valuable. Right? We put it in the safe because it is valuable. Luke's account was included because it was already valuable. 
It was valuable the moment that it was written. It was considered valuable and true because of who wrote it and when it was written. So if you're struggling with faith or maybe you're considering Christianity, a good question to ask is, and this is what people have asked is, is he lying? Could he have been mistaken? I don't think so. Either he carefully investigated everything from the beginning or he didn't. And if he did, there's no reason or evidence to think he didn't. We should read it because Luke believes his own account. He claims that what happened in his biography actually happened. His account of Jesus is based on conversations with people who were there. So when he's writing this biography of Jesus, he believed that it it happened. And so he writes, he says, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too have decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So who's this Theophilus? Theophilus, which means friend of God, was probably a wealthy Roman official who was a follower of Jesus in Antioch. And Luke wanted him to know, he, he said, listen, I, I want to give this to you, not that you just have faith in faith, but that your faith is anchored in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So listen, when it was safe and it was legal, the leaders of these local churches called bishops would come out of hiding, put together the first Bible. Little did Luke know, little did he know that out of the many accounts of the life of Jesus, his would be one of the four that would survive. And it was meticulously copied. And then it was distributed to gatherings of, gatherings of Christians and some memorized all of it. As years passed, it was demonized, collected, and burned. Late in the third century, Emperor Diocletian realized that he would never get rid of Christians until he got rid of their literature. Most pagans didn't have literature. This was new. And he had all the Christians' religious literature collected and burned, including the copies of Luke's biography of Jesus. By the beginning of the 4th century, Luke's gospel has been so distributed, so broadly in the emperor, that even Diocletian could not get rid of all the copies. And then something remarkable happened Constantine becomes a follower of Jesus in AD or 313 AD. And he allowed Christians to worship publicly and they allowed their literature to be brought out. And the emperor, and here's what's so crazy to me. The empire that crucified Jesus now finances the assembly of the first Bible. Thousands of manuscripts of the account of Jesus were collected, compared, and authorized, and this set up the church leaders to put together the very first Bible. You guys remember, the story of Jesus is not merely a story in the Bible. Jesus is the story of the Bible. Jesus is the story. He's the whole story. At the end of the four Gospels, Jesus is crucified by Rome. He's buried. He rises from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Something happened in the world. That is why you and I are here, because of Jesus. And it all comes down to what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote. Here's something I would like us to think about. If you choose not to follow Jesus because it's inconvenient, 
I would agree with you because following Jesus is very inconvenient. Following Jesus will require something of you and from you. In fact, Jesus is a king. Jesus is the king. And Jesus is wanting not just something from you, but everything from you. He wants all of you. And it will cost you time. And it will cost you energy. And it will cost you money. And it will cost you relationships. But man, hear me. If you choose to follow him, and your life will be so much better. Your life will be so much better. Now, please don't choose not to follow Jesus because you don't think anything's good from the story of Jesus. I'm serious. Like, please don't choose not to follow Jesus because you don't think there's anything to the story of Jesus. In spite of what you heard in college or what we hear in culture, don't give up on following Jesus until you investigate it yourself. The only good reason not to follow is because you have determined that the story of Jesus isn't true. Let's think about this for a second. The people Luke interviewed came out of hiding and they went back into hiding because they were afraid of their lives. Some of the people that he interviewed and he heard their story, they died. And let me ask you this question. Would you die for a lie? Would you die for something that's not true? No, man. I mean, man, man we would change our story in a heartbeat. If we knew that our life was on the line, we wouldn't die for a lie. These people knew what they saw. They believed what they saw and they were willing to lay down their life for what they saw. So if you read the, the biography of Jesus from Luke's account and the history of the church in Acts, you may be convinced that something extraordinary happened in the first century, and it's because it did. And someone had to say something, and Luke was one of those many voices that was willing to say something because what he saw he wanted it written down. Someone had to say something. The story had to be told, and Luke chose to tell it. And we're going to pick up his account of the life of Jesus right here next week. There's three questions I want to leave us with as we go on this week. So, number one, have you ever felt compelled to document the life of someone you know or knew personally? Number two, as it relates to faith, have you ever experienced a season of doubt? If so, what exactly did you doubt and why? And then finally, what is the foundation of the Christian faith? Remember, it's, it, I'll give you a hint. It's, it's like the what came first question, the chicken or the egg. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to have Luke's account of Jesus' life. We are incredibly thankful that it's been preserved. We're able to read it. In our language, we are incredibly thankful that it has the ability to change our lives. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the Bible. And we recognize that we only have it because of the resurrection. So Father, thank you for Jesus' life 
for his death and his resurrection because without it, we are hopeless. Father, for those on the fence, they're battling this, unsure of whether this is true or not, I ask that they would investigate it fully. For those of us who following Jesus has been very inconvenient for us, has been more of a hobby than a, a life, I ask that you will get a hold of our hearts, that we would surrender all to you because you truly are King Jesus. So help us to surrender to you. In Jesus' name.